Today on the show, we're talking about a couple that watched a retired age 42. Welcome to the Simple Money Solutions Podcast, where we focus on your money from a Canadian perspective. This podcast is produced weekly and released every Monday. Show notes for every episode can be found at livelifesimple.ca. Now let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, I'm your host Courtney and joining with me today is my co-host Trevor. As mentioned in the introduction, today we're talking about a couple that wants to retire at age 42 with a family of five. But before we break into that article, I do want to bring up our Frugality February Challenge. We are only a few days away from February 1st where we will be launching into Frugality February. So if you if you haven't heard about Frugality February yet, it is a part of our year-long 2017 monthly challenges. And Frugality February is where we will go the whole month without purchasing a cup of coffee. So for some of our listeners, this might be really easy. And for others, it might be really hard. For Trevor and I, it happens to be something that will be a little bit challenging as we are self-proclaimed coffee addicts. So how this works is you're going to go the whole month by doing something different, by making it home and packing ahead and thinking ahead and being frugal with your money. So you might be surprised about how much money you save in the long run, and that's really the goal of this challenge. So we are combining this challenge with a book giveaway. So to enter the book giveaway, you're just going to post a, a picture of how you're coping with not purchasing coffee on any one of our social media platforms. So Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or if you don't have social media, you can email your picture to us at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com. So the winner will be announced um, at the end of the month. Your, your last chance to enter is Sunday, February 26th at 11.59 a.m. So that's noon. And we will announce the winner during our Monday episode on the 27th. And to couple along with our Reality February challenge, there is a new blog post up on the blog as well entitled Coffee Making Essentials. So the Frugality February rules and guidelines can be found on a new tab on the website um, entitled 2017 Monthly Challenges. And our Coffee Making Essential article can be found on the blog. So today's article is entitled Dad's Retirement at Age 42, A Large Risk for Family with Five Children and Mom Working Part-Time. This article is by Andrew Allentuck and it's from the Financial Post. So it's more of a, this article is more of a situation and solution article. So I'm going to go through the situation and then we're going to ask Trevor for his analysis and potential solutions for this problem. So the situation in Andrew Allentuck's words is there is there's a dad age 37 with five young children who wants to retire at 42 and raise his kids on savings. So the potential solution is to abandon the plan and work to age 60 then take early CPP and later OAS for security. So here's a little bit of the situation in Andrew Allentech's words. In Saskatchewan, a couple we'll call Rudy, 37, and Martha, 32, want to retire within five years. Rudy will then be 42. They will have five children ranging in age from two to nine, take home income of about 8000 a month, and $250,000 house with no mortgage. Their financial assets add up to about 340000 They live simply but want to move up to a larger house with a $400,000 price tag. While present assets 
less the cost of moving to a bigger house, plus what they can save in five years, enable them to retire two decades before the conventional age of 65. We have lived through many lean years and discovered that the simple life is easy and wonderful, Martha explains. A part-time craft teacher, she explains that her goal is a balance of life and work. Our children are our priority, and we want to be able to spend as much time with them as possible, she says. Rudy, who is an administrator in a construction business, would also would give up his full-time job while Martha would continue to work give her part-time lessons. With no job pensions at all, it's a kind of a back-to-basics plan. Will it work as a financial strategy is the problem. Now here's a response from Gil Peru, head of G. Peru Financial Inc. in Winnipeg. And he says that he's doubtful in his evaluation of the couple's early retirement plans and a simple no in his view of buying a $400,000 home. Even though they are currently only spending $3,681 a month and banking an astonishing $4,541 a month, more than half of their take-home income, they can't have either a bigger house and early retirement and certainly not both. So, Trevor, that is a little outline of the situation and solution proposed within Andrew Allentech's article. But what's your evaluation of the situation? Well, I, I would have to agree. I, I would have to disagree with uh, Gil Perot and his uh, assessment of that it's, it's not possible for the, this couple to retire. I mean, just if you look at it in summary, these people have lived an extremely frugal lifestyle. They, they obviously have a, a very, they're very self-disciplined. They're living off of less than half of their income. Uh, they, at age 37, they're, it, they're, they're debt-free. I mean, that, that's, that's a remarkable thing in our society today. And I, I just think he's, he's pigeonholing this couple into our traditional middle-class North American lifestyle. And I would suggest that I don't think they've been living that lifestyle at all. Trevor, can you explain to our listeners what is so wrong with living the standard middle-class lifestyle? Well, the problem with the, the standard middle-class North American lifestyle is it assumes debt is a natural consequence of life and that we should utilize debt and, and live beyond our means. This couple clearly has not. They, they've, uh, they're mortgage-free. It doesn't. Uh, uh, if you read further in the article, they have a, an older car that's fully paid for. Uh, there are five children. My only concern is around educating these children. The five children could be quite costly. But in the article, it gets into they, they actually have RESPs in place for all their kids, and they're well on their way on covering those costs. I, I, I think the, the financial expert is assuming they're going to live a traditional middle-class lifestyle. And I, I think that's, I doubt that's their intentions. And to to be debt free and have the financial uh, position they're in at that age, they they clearly haven't made any or many mistakes to this point in time. The likelihood of them making a mistake going forward is, is highly unlikely. So you're you're suggesting that the fact that they got to this age and have paid everything off that they had is just maybe a mere accident that that circumstances allowed. Well, no, I think it was through uh, extreme frugality and, and determination. I mean, they, they've probably had this plan for quite a while. And uh, they're just floating the idea out there to a financial expert just to see where they are on the insanity scale from normal society. But Trevor, if they are a frugal couple, where's the rationale for wanting to purchase a $400,000 home? Well, I bet you if you talk to these people, 
they would suggest maybe they they're doing that as an investment strategy, not not to uh, have a more elaborate lifestyle. They're seeing this Canadian real estate market boom, and they're thinking, you know, that's a good place to put some of our money. And and I think they they, they might that's not crazy. But is it crazy in the housing bubble that we're currently in? Well, so my position is, uh, I think this is the worst time in the history of Canada to buy real estate right now is is where I think I believe we're at the peak of the market. So I would suggest against buying a for you know, upgrading their house at this point. I don't know what their uh their two hundred and fifty thousand dollar house looks like in Saskatchewan. I don't I, I gotta think it's probably similar to where I live. And that's probably a, a, a small, very modest home and they have a very large family with five children. I could see where they might want to Maybe they need more space, plus they see it as a potential investment. But uh, as with this financial expert, uh, Gil Perot, I would advise against uh, taking on more debt or using any of their savings uh, to to put into real estate at this point, at this peak of the market that we're in right now. Trevor, before we got into the section on educating the kids, let's just talk about their ages for a minute. They range from two to nine years old, and there's five of them. What do you say about a couple that want to semi-retire with kids at that age? I mean, you had kids at that age. Would you have been in place, pretend if you had everything paid off, would you have been in a place that you were felt comfortable to retire and have your wife work part-time? Well, you know, one thing, trying to work a full-time job and look after children, is a, it it's it's something that's a very challenging and if if i could retire early spend the next 5 to 10 years uh dedicating all my time to raising my family and not working and then maybe i mean these people sound like hard working people i doubt they're going to sit in rocking chairs till their dying days once their kids are grown and moved on who's to say they don't start a second career and even make more money doing that that's a fantastic point so Trevor, moving to the education of the kids, I know you personally didn't pursue the RESP route for your own children, but do you agree that this is a good solution for their five? Well, one thing, if you read in the article, uh, Martha, the wife, her father is uh, donating or, or, or subsidizing their children's education by putting $1,000 a month into RESPs for their, their five children. So that, that's a big plus there. Uh, if you can afford it, I mean, it's free money from the government. It's the way to go. I, I chose to pay off my mortgage and cash flow my kids' education. At the very end of the article, the financial advisor does say that financial security requires Rudy to work at least to the age of 60. Do you believe that has to be true? Well, in books I've read on retirement, so in Canada, maybe in North America, extreme retirement is considered 55. So that is extreme so I don't even know what you call 42. It's, it's off the charts. 60 is probably um, considered aggressive retirement. If 55 is extreme, 60 is aggressive, 65 is normal. Uh, I, I don't think these guys, okay, if these guys want to live a traditional middle-class lifestyle uh, and, 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 and live in the lap of luxury, yeah, they probably do need to work till 60, uh, applying all their frugal principles but if you think about the, in order to save up enough money to live in the lap of luxury, you'll have to have spent, uh, the, the amount of money you have to save means you're living off a very small amount of income through, throughout your working life. 
why you couldn't extend that and live off that same small amount into your retirement years. I mean, that's, it only makes sense. You raised such a good point because I feel like that is the common, common thought of thinking is that save, save, save while you are in your working years and then begin to live this lavish lifestyle. But I don't think it works that way. Well, there's a, there's a commonly held philosophy that you should plan on having 70% of your pre-retirement income as your post-retirement. As, as the, your, there's a philosophy out there that you should have planned to have enough money to provide an income stream of 70% of your pre-retirement income. So say in the last five years of your life, you made $100,000, plan to, to need $70,000 to sustain that lifestyle in your retirement. But if you do the math on it, the ability, the, the amount of money you'd have to save to have that $70,000 in your retirement years would mean that while you're working, you would have to have lived off far less than $70,000 a year. So if you spent 30 years working and living off less than $70,000 a year, why would you need that much in your retirement years? I think people think maybe it's to go on vacations or do ex- lavish things that they maybe didn't do in their working careers. Well, one thing they were doing in their working careers was saving a lot of money. Uh, you won't have to do that in your retirement years. You also raise children. You won't have to do that in your retirement years. I mean, there's there's all sorts of things that you won't have to do in your retirement years that you had to do in your working years. So I think a lot of times those costs could be offset by travel. Let's go back again, actually, Trevor. Do you think that retiring at 42 and his wife working part-time, is that a sustainable solution? Well, I'm going to say this is, sounds like a very hardworking, diligent couple, and I, I can't see them not ever working another day in their lives. So sometimes if you... So if you keep working, uh, gen, if, if you have a job, other job opportunities don't tend to present themselves a, as much or don't look as near as enticing. When you don't have a job, job opportunities will appear out of, you know, that, that, that wouldn't otherwise seem appealing. So by him quitting a job, which it sounds like if you want to retire at 42, it's not a job you're enjoying. So leaving that job, spending the next five to eight years with your children, maybe 10 years, and then going into a second career, something that you maybe enjoy more, find more engaging. We did an, uh, an article, a uh, podcast earlier called Victory Lap Retirement. There's a book out there that I've read. It. I recommend it highly to anybody who's approaching retirement. Uh, uh, I, th- I think it's a great idea. I, I may, I'm entertaining this idea myself. I mentioned I'm older than 42, but I, I'm considering extreme retirement. And then maybe a, a Victory Lap lifestyle, like a a job that I find more engaging and more rewarding pays far less money. Because if we realistically look at it, I think everyone's goal should be to get out of the job that maybe it's just they're just in because it's providing them income and get into a job that that they actually find intriguing and interesting. Because here at the podcast, we are proponents of doing something you love and doing it as soon as you can and maybe making those sacrifices in your life in order to be able to live the 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 lifestyle that income delivers and a job that you enjoy more. Well, obviously I agree with that, but I mean if you're part of the c- consumption culture and you you value things, like gadgets and fancy cars and in large houses and international vacations, uh, I suggest you keep working until you're 65 or 70 to finance that lifestyle. Uh, 
but I, you, you have to embrace a frugal lifestyle to want to re- retire this early. If you don't, you'll be, it'll just be misery the whole time you're, you're saving up to retire early. So, so it's not for everybody. But then frugality is about making your priorities clear. And for this couple, their children are their priorities. So I do think that they will be fine and are fine living a frugal lifestyle because they know the outcome is spending more time with their children. Well, there's no shortage of stories that people that have done this. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it a name. People may have heard Mr. Money Mustache. He has a website called Mr. Money Mustache. He retired at age 30. And his whole motivation for doing that was to have a family and raise, raise his, his, his child. He has one, one son. And he wanted to do that. He didn't want to be balancing work and parenting at the same time, which most people do. He wanted to be the best dad there ever was. That was his goal. So it sounds like these people are, are pursuing the same goals. And, I mean, there's a story of a guy. I mean, he's remarkably successful. And he lives an extremely, well, I consider it an extremely frugal lifestyle. And if you read his, his blog post, he's an extremely happy, content person. Would you say that when articles like this come up in the news or you hear about them, your initial reaction is like, what? How is that possible? Because I do feel like society is conditioned to believe that retirement at 60 or 65 is the only option just because of, again, that's the societal norm. Well, there's a lot in it for uh, employers in investment banks. I mean, they all gain from us working longer and pumping more money into our retirement savings plans. And if we keep working, we're we're high-end consumers. We're going to consume more stuff. So for the economy, it's probably a good thing that people want more and work longer. It says in this article that the couple is relying on GST rebates for their non-taxable Canada child benefit. How much should the couple be relying on other forms of income and, and how much will that actually help them? Well, you know, there isn't a better place to be, live a frugal lifestyle than I think in Canada. We have public health care. We have all sorts of uh, subsidized programs like you just described and uh, in here, there's a child tax rebate, GST. So their income gets, by them retiring early, they're going to bring their income down to such a level that they're going to be taking advantage of a lot of government subsidies. And, I mean, this could come and go as, as governments change, but it, it's, it's been around for quite a while, the two things they're talking about here. So I don't think it's a horrible thing to rely on it. And again, these people are young enough. They could always go back into the workforce. That's, that's the beauty of this at 42 they're still very employable, even at 52, you know, 10 years later, still very employable. I mean, these people obviously have a, a marketable skill set. They have jobs now. And I do agree with that because, again, when it comes to costs like replacing the rusty van or repairs in their aging home, which it says in this article, that they will have the funds to do that. And I, I, I can't stress this enough. These people didn't become debt-free, mortgage-free, and a pool of, of uh, retirement savings at age 37 by making bad decisions. These people are not likely to make a mistake. Definitely. I would have to agree with that. Everything's been calculated and really and really thought about. Then and these, so they have to be frugal. I mean, these are not people that uh, strike me as dice rollers and, 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 and just 
you know, throw caution to the wind. I'm sure they're, they've calculated this out. But again, they, it sounds like they embrace frugality. And that sounds like it's the big secret, Trevor. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. But you, you can't be miserable embracing frugality. I mean, if, if it's not in you t- to live that lifestyle, then you'll just be miserable. I, I can't stress that enough. It's not for everybody. So, Trevor, I know you recently read a book called Victory Lap Retirement by Mike Drack and Jonathan Chirot, and I think it really does relate to this concept of retiring early. So can you just share with our listeners um, about this? Yeah, this is a fabulous book. I just finished reading it, and it really goes into uh, how full-stop retirement is not a good idea. And full-stop retirement is you, 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 know, you work 30 years and then you stop. And, and you sit in, in a rocking chair and wait wait till the end comes. And it, it really talks about uh, how that's not healthy mentally and physically. And it, it, it talks about uh, why it's important to get out of the corporate jungle, if, that, if that's where you work, and, and pursue a second career, something more engaging, more rewarding. And one of the concepts in there is called Findependence Day. And that's short for Financial Independence Day. So the day you become financially independent. And in the book, they define that as when you all your basic necessities of life can be met through passive income, meaning investments. So, and it goes through and defines those basic necessities of life. So we're talking about food, shelter, uh, security, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, really. And, and so it talks about... Uh, once you've reached that point where those costs meet cover pass- by passive income, then you can afford to take a job doing uh, something you really find rewarding or engaging and probably make a lot less money doing it. And I, I really think um, that's what this article we're doing. It kind of, if you talk to these people one-on-one, that's where they're going. So Trevor, who can benefit from this book? Can, can young people like me benefit? Or what if you're already midway through your life and haven't taken on these strategies that w- are within this book? Well, the, the anybody can, so the sooner you read this book, the better. But I, I think it would really, it's really geared for people who are on the cusp of retirement, I'll say in their 50s, 55, 50. But if somebody got hold of this book in their 20s and read it, they may approach their whole working career differently knowing, you know, one career for 30 years is probably not a good solution and, and to approach work with a different mindset. So I, I, I think it was marketed to somebody who's, you know, like I say, in their 50s, but I think it would be a great read for somebody in their 20s to get a different perspective on how they should approach work. And I do love the concept of this book because, again, like we always talk here on the podcast, we are about shattering the past beliefs and and what is a norm in society. So again, this book is just doing that. It's it's shattering the belief that you hold one job that you might not like. I mean, that was a past belief, but even about today, holding jobs that you don't like just for the money, it kind of prioritizes things better. Well, I don't know if it it, it does prioritize them, but it it talks about uh, one of the th- concepts in this book that it, it it's throughout the whole book is. The, the, the concept of human capital, and that's uh, people exchanging their time for money. So you go to work for eight hours, you get paid a certain amount of money. You've exchanged your time for money. So money can be saved, money can be renewed, time cannot. Time is, 
is once it's gone, it's gone. It's it's spent. You can't get it back. Money can be invested. It can grow. You can spend it. So it it talks about the the ex- the cost of human capital, and if you're doing something uh, rewarding and engaging, you're you're maybe not a, using up human capital because you're you're so engaged in what you're doing, you would do it for free. So it's 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 a fabulous book. But in this book, the last two chapters really talk about uh, I'm going to say that the spiritual side of and and I'm not talking religious, but just the spiritual side of 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 what work life balance and and engaging work can do for you long term and if you read if you just start this book you you'd be doing yourself an, an injustice to not finish it because the last two chapters are really make you stop and think and the concept about time really relates back to the our original article because this this couple is obviously figured that out because they want to spend more time with their children because they realize that they're the young years of a child's life are, are invaluable and you can't get those back and once those kids have grown and they've moved through those formative years i mean you can't they you know if you weren't there for them when they needed you being there for them when they're older it doesn't make up for that and i'm sure we could do a whole episode on the cost analysis between daycare and and a, a parent staying at work at home to take care of the look after the kids. So I think there, I really do think the benefits could outweigh the costs of, of retiring early. Well, the problem with the scenario you just described is a lot of people just do straight math on that. You know, uh, my costs are this much, therefore I need two incomes to support it. I mean, if you need two incomes and in, in to send your kid to daycare, uh, you created that environment you can create a different environment where you you don't need that and it doesn't have to be for the rest of your life it just has to be for those formative years of your kids your child's life so that's a consideration trevor but do you think you're going to meet anyone on the street that that doesn't want to live a more frugal lifestyle in order to retire early in order to spend more time on things that matter well that's not the, the common uh, approach most people take. Most people want, and you use the word want as the key there, most people's wants uh, are exceed their their income. And if you focus more on your needs, uh, I think a lot of this would be possible for more people. But isn't financial freedom a goal in itself? It is a long-term goal that a lot of people um, can't see. You know, a lot of people, they, they, they choose to not focus on that long-term objective in exchange for short-term uh, uh, superficial satisfaction, you know, shiny things. And to take it, to compare it to something else, I'm a little bit of a health nut, but would you say that the maybe holistic side of eating is equivalent to consumers and individuals not knowing that there is another way of of paying off your mortgage another way of being well there's no shortage of people who who try really hard to lose weight and don't know why they aren't and i'm sure there's a lot of people who try to save money and and don't succeed and aren't really sure why not so there is there's a lot of similarities so i guess but at the end of the day both examples all go back to behavior 
behavior and knowledge of that. And hopefully, again, for our listeners, that's what this podcast is providing. Yeah, behavior uh, obviously is the key. It's personal finance is, is not about math. It, it is about uh, personal behavior and, and the effects on your finances. But would you say that some people want to pay off their mortgage faster than others? I, that, I guess that's the root of my question, Trevor. I mean, everyone wants to pay that mortgage off, but why, why are some people more driven to do whatever it takes, aka being frugal, and some people will throw their hands up the air and say it's not possible or, or they're not going to make the sacrifices to achieve that? Well, a lot of it is um, middle-class expect, middle societal expectations that, that make people feel they need bigger houses than they actually need. I mean, how many houses have uh, a living room and a family room, a dining room so and, and a kitchen? And if you look at the frequency that, that that living room and that dining room are used compared to the kitchen in the, in the family room, I mean, it's probably uh, a 10 to 1 ratio. And the added money to have those two rooms that you use so infrequently, is it really worth the, the, all the years you're going to have to work, the interest you're going to have to pay, the property tax, the heating, and all that stuff? For the, I'll, I'll say once a week, or for some people maybe just you know Easter, Christmas, and Thanksgiving, uh, for using that dining room, is it really worth that, that extra sacrifice? So you're saying people are on these automatic escalators of their life and they're not really sitting down and evaluating what's important to them. Well, they, I think they think they know what's important to them, but big picture, I mean, it, you, you, you always have to have the long view if you want to win at finances. That's for sure. And I feel like, I feel like knowledge of yourself is going to be the key to knowing what you value and how you're going to get there. Well, it's keeping, you know, the whole concept of keeping up with the Joneses and, and, and comparing yourself to somebody else. I mean, that, that, that is the, the, the monster that, 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 that motivates people that to, to, to do things that maybe they, they don't need to do. And that goes back to the concept that we're always talking about of achieving the Canadian dream and, and wanting what you think society wants you to want. And we've talked about this before. Most of us, we the only uh, the only vision we have in front of us is the generation before us, and we try to simulate what they did. And the environment around us is constantly changing, and, and we really need to to stop doing that as a society, because it, 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 it just it it just doesn't work. You need to live the life that you want, not the life that you were supposed to live. That's a fantastic, that's a quote, Trevor. That should be painted on a wall. That's, a, that's something everyone should be living by. So that is it for this episode. Trevor, is there any final takeaways for our listeners? Well, I just want to say to our listeners, so we talked about we're going to be doing a book giveaway. And the book is going to be Victory Lack Retirement, the book we just talked about in this episode. And I think this book is really, it's geared to anybody listening to this podcast because I think it would be beneficial to any age group. And I, I, can't, I haven't read it myself, and I am very excited to read it as well. So again, about the book giveaway. So to enter it, make sure to send that photo of how you're coping without coffee during any portion of February uh, via our social media or write to our email, and that will be how you will be entered into our draw for this incredible book. 
And if, if you want to look back at any of the rules or guidelines for our frugality February challenge, head on over to livelifesimple.ca. We have a new tab up there called 2017 Monthly Challenges. And Frugality February is just within that tab. And also check out our blog. We've uploaded a new article entitled Coffee Making Essentials to give you a little bit of inspiration to get through Frugality February. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to check out the show notes at livelifesimple.ca. Check out all our social media pages. We keep them updated. Check out our blogs. We post weekly. Leave comments. Send us an email. Get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Until next week, keep it simple.